Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Everybody and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. <sighs> it used to be when you would decorate your house for the holidays, it would be like an afternoon. And when you have a baby, it's sort of like a... Um, it's sort so of like an you, ongoing <clears throat> like process where you sort of like venture through the land of decorating your house like one stop at a time over the course of several weeks turns it into like a 401k sort of thing where it's like well i'm going to put this one ornament up in the hopes that here in the future a few months from now this is gonna look <laughs> real nice but it, putting up christmas decorations now is kind of like putting up baby traps when you got a baby as mobile and curious as ours that's true it, it almost makes you wonder why why you do it because there's so many things that we have put up in our house and as i'm putting them up i think gosh i hope charlie stays away from this because it could like fall on her and smush her yeah but and then i then i up. think like yeah. why did we put it why up did why did we do up? why did we get a giant live tree and then put it in the corner and hang a bunch of like fragile like glass and stuff on it like, and then we say, made it like, harder for ourselves like we up the modifier to use halo terms we we put skulls on our baby run um and to try to make it more difficult obviously i understand that perfectly too. Well, I, I know you didn't dear i'm trying to make the show as broadly appealing as possible but we have we have a tree that is by the way it's also pretty so it's of course something oh, yeah, she'd want to she'd to want babies. to touch uh we have all kinds of little like tchotchkes and figurines like glass things and porcelain things that yep. she shouldn't touch but she's going to want to like pick up and put in her mouth and then like throw on the ground yeah there's a lot that we're creating a lot of additional worries for ourselves uh with with I've, christmas I've, for no reason i've never put all the inflatables inside like we have this year yeah because oh. she likes to hug them and kiss them i love that game and, and love them and then she wants me to love them and the problem is that uh it's cold outside so i don't want to put them outside so we leave because then we have to go outside and, and hug them yeah it's not a great solution but it's do you think maybe we're setting up all these traps because like we've gotten lax because we don't have to worry about with kids so many of the like old like childhood diseases that we used to worry about back in the olden times. It all seems too easy, you mean, so we're like creating challenge for ourselves. Yeah, this is a way to make parenting more exciting. Well, what, what, <laughs> and terrifying. Like, what kind of thing? <laughs> that is, it already is. Yeah, what kind of thing is like not there because it, for me, is pretty much full blown terror from, from dusk till dawn or, and, and dawn till dusk and basically all the time lots of things but for instance you don't as much have to worry about like scarlet fever these days 
Okay. Uh, I don't know that much about Scarlet Fever. Uh, half I the was time, betting on that, Justin. Half the time when I hear it, I think about the Scarlet Letter, which is different, but it's one of the two times people use the word Scarlet. Uh, I would say there's three. I would say in reference to O'Hara. Yeah, yeah, Gone with the Wind, yeah. And Miss Scarlet, I guess, from Clue. Hey, <laughs> this is our show about how we talk about the times that the word Scarlet is used. Check, <laughs> next week, Violet. Catch it. Should be a good episode. Let's talk about the fever, because that actually has to do with medicine. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank... I got a- fever, and the only, the only prescription is more talk about scarlet fever. <laughs> SNL. Great. Justin, everybody loves that bit. Uh, so I want to thank a couple people, Emily and Dave and Eva, who recommended this topic. Um, and Eva, by the way, wanted us to know that she was 11. Oh, which is super cool. Hi, I Eva. Love, hi, Th- Eva. Thank you for, for listening. Li- yes, thank you. I love, I love to hear that kids like this show too. Here in about seven years, when you have all the buying power, make sure you've gotten a lot of friends enlisted into the show too. We we, <laughs> we need a wave of new merchandise purchasers. <laughs> Our advertisers would rather you be. 18. Yeah, if you could just be 18. Like, we love you. Or at least have money. We love the whole 11-year-old thing that you're doing right now. But just for our demo, it would be best if you were 18 to 24, if you could do that. We're kidding. We don't care. We love that. We love that you're a kid. Thank um, you for clarifying that, Sydney, because <laughs> they have not listened to our show for 114 episodes. They I don't know. Monsters. I don't know what, at what age sarcasm becomes apparent. Fair enough. I, Fair I think enough. it depends on how sarcastic your parents are. Charlie's yeah. sarcastic already. Um, Sar- so sarcasm becomes apparent depending on when your parents became sarcastic. Ha ha. Good one. That was a good, good one. Please Justin. just talk about scarlet fever. I'll do anything. Okay. It's an old disease. This has been the longest injury of my life. I'm going to terrify you now. It's an old disease, but it's a very familiar bug that causes scarlet fever. Mm-hmm. It is caused by group A strep or streptococcus pyogenes, which is the same streptococcus that causes strep throat. Not even worried about it. I get strep throat all the time. I used to. I beat it. It's interesting because... I think I might have it right now because I am like sucking down the chloroseptic. You don't have strep throat. Okay. Everybody who has a sore throat always thinks they have strep throat. Chances are you don't. You might. I mean, by all means, get it checked out, but you probably don't. Um, Now, we've known about strep infections uh, clinically for a long time, as in like Hippocrates described a lot of different infections. And when I say strep infections, I'm talking about infections caused by streptococcal bacteria, a kind of bacteria in the streptococcus family, Mm -hmm. right? Um, and and basically the the streptococcus family are they're named that because they look like little chains of berries. It's coccus means berry and strepto is chain of, and so it's a little. They look like little chains of berries. I did not know that. As opposed to staph or staphylococcus, look like staffs. No, oh. that's from staphyla for bunch of grapes. They look like little clusters. Okay. So there you go. That's your. But you can understand my confusion. I can understand that. That's okay. Fair. Uh. We, so we, we know, we didn't find out about the actual bacteria until the 1870s when Theodore Bill Roth actually saw it under a microscope. But we knew that there was something that sort of looked like scarlet fever clinically. We knew about like flesh eating disease. That's strep. Thro- that's strep. Mm-hmm. We knew about strep throat in the sense that we understood that there was this syndrome that looked like that. Um, but it took us a long time before we knew about the bacteria. Now, when we talk about scarlet fever, let me tell you what it is. Because I'm guessing you don't even know what, like if somebody said, I had scarlet fever, like what that would mean. I always assumed that uh, like it made the person really red. That's the only thing I've got. Sort of. I mean, that's fair. Like you do get a rash Perfect. that is red. So that that's a fair guess. Uh, at first, 
it's like strep throat basically you get a sore throat you get a fever you might get like a headache body aches um you just feel lousy right you get like right. swollen lymph nodes your tonsils can look like big and red and have like white nasty stuff on them all that kind of stuff that you get when you get strep throat um your tongue actually will get a very particular appearance we call it strawberry tongue where it can look like kind of whitish with like red bumps all over it. And mm -hmm. then actually the white part will kind of slough off and then you'll just have like a big red bumpy tongue. Great. So look like a strawberry. Sounds great. Um, and then the the bad thing is when this- The bad thing. The bad so those thing. Those are the good, those well, are the okay things. Well, that's just like, that, that, that's, I mean like a lot of that you just get with strep throat and then nowadays you get it some antibiotics, you get better, it's over. Um, hopefully it doesn't progress to scarlet fever, which is when, um, the characteristic part is that you see the rash. So you get this these red bumps all over your body. They usually start on the neck and then move to the trunk and all of your extremities. They start like anywhere between 12 and 48 hours after the fever. Um, and then it, it can be uh, a really impressive looking rash. And it actually stays there for a week, two weeks, and then starts to kind of what we would call desquamate or like peel off. Mm -hmm. So it's a really impressive looking kind of rash now the rash itself isn't dangerous it just means that the strep has become invasive and it can do all kinds of bad things okay so it can cause big abscesses or like pockets of infection on your tonsils um it can go anywhere it can go to your heart if you've heard of rheumatic fever mm -hmm. it, it can infect your it can affect your heart it can affect your joints it can affect your kidneys you can get this what we call a glomerulonephritis, which the important thing to know is it damaged your kidneys. Uh, it can go to your brain. It can go to like cause like a meningitis. It can go to your bones. It can go to your blood. It can go anywhere. And that's when it's scarlet fever. That is bad. Because running wild like Hulkamania throughout your body. Yes, exactly. And and the question is, it's the same bacteria. So why sometimes do you just get strep throat? I mean, because this is not, it's not like if you had strep throat and we didn't treat you, everybody, this would happen to. Like, I don't want to insinuate that. Um, but some people who get strep throat, this could happen to. So why? Uh, there's some theories. Is this a quiz that, or are you asking rhetorically? No. I'm, 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 if one of those is true, I'm terrified. <laughs> I, there, there's some theories that it has to do with a certain toxin that's produced uh, by some strains of that strep bacteria um, that can that can cause it to be more likely to do this, uh, which is it's kind of interesting. The reason some strep can can do that is because they've been infected by a bacteriophage, which, which is a virus that infects bacteria. Did Whoa. I just blow your mind? So the bacteria can do it because the bacteria is sick? Because the bacteria is sick with a virus that makes it produce a toxin that makes you sicker. Whoa. Crazy. That's but crazy. But it's not always consistent because there are some people who get the bacteria that are infected and get the toxin, blah, 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 don't get scarlet fever. So it also has to do with the person and their immune system. It's really complex. The point is we used to see it a lot. Nowadays, we almost never see it. Antibiotics certainly have something to do with that, but there's probably other factors involved. So that's scarlet fever so that you kind of know what we're talking about. Got it. And as I said, Hippocrates may have been the first to write about it like 2,500 years ago. It may go back to uh, Razis wrote about it in the 10th century, um, but we know for sure that it was described by an Italian doctor, Giovanni Ingrassia, as Rosalia, as its own distinct rash causing, mm -hmm. you know, entity in 1553 and it was known as febris scarlatina or scarlet, scarlet fever good trans job. loosely translated good job justin uh by sydenham in 1676 uh they also used to refer to it as scarlatina for sure which is kind of a i once knew a scarlatina 
the love of my life. It's an adorable name. <laughs> oh, you've got Scarlatina. That's not, I mean, it's not like a cute thing to have. But no, it sounds it's Scarlet cute. Fever still. <laughs> a Scarlet Fever by any other name, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, there were a lot of early writings uh, that probably are describing Scarlet Fever, but they, you know, there were a lot of things that caused red rashes. So it gets really tricky. Like, are they writing about measles? Are they writing about rubella? What are they writing about? Um, that for a while, there was a distinct uh, clinical entity that was described uh, called Duke's disease uh, because Clement Dukes knew that there was something that wasn't rubella that caused a rash and they called it Duke's disease. But then we figured out that that was scarlet fever actually which the only important part about this is have you ever heard of Poor fifth duke i bet he was so bummed you know he had that whole disease named after him and then all of a sudden they're like nope sorry that was scarlet fever all along scarlet fever all along well he said well what if maybe we just change scarlet fever start calling that deuce disease <laughs> maybe i named it too nah, and it just on. didn't catch on you know it is kind of weird though because have you ever heard of the the term fifth's disease have you ever heard of that fifth disease no Okay, well, a lot of people have. <laughs> Would this part be better if I... Oh, let me try again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a different virus. The only reason that matters is people have asked me before, like, why is it called fifth, as in, like, the number five, like, fifth disease? Because we used to have, like, a list of the common childhood, like, uh, what we call viral exanthems, meaning viruses that cause rashes. And uh, well, although they weren't all viral, they're just exanthems. Uh, the list went in order of when you were likely to get them. So it was, like, measles and then scarlet fever, and then rubella. The fourth one, so for a while, scarlet fever was called fourth disease, was Duke's disease. Okay. So scarlet fever was on this list twice. So it threw off the whole list because then fifth <laughs> is erythema infectiosum, which we call fifth disease because that sounds a lot easier, and then roseola sixth. But there's a, the list is off. Fifth disease should be fourth disease. Oh, man. Isn't that crazy? I bet you guys have a good laugh about this at the office Christmas party, huh? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, up until the 1800s, scarlet fever was endemic in certain areas, meaning that you would always see a couple cases, um, but would periodically cause big outbreaks, like mm. every you know decade or so. But not commonly, you know, it wasn't something that you saw in large numbers. That's a, see, that's interesting to me because if you if what you're talking to me about like the bacteria having to be a precursor to that, like a certain kind of bacteria being set, like that would be what was spreading right like when it would come in waves that that is actually what was happening if that if that theory holds water right exactly like you wouldn't expect a, an outbreak of something that would or wouldn't evolve into scarlet fever right exactly it, it was either it was either that that strain started to predominate um you know the the one that produced the toxin and then you see an outbreak or you could also theorize that it was and this can happen with outbreaks uh it's spreading to populations that that aren't already affected by it mm. so like a like a virgin population somebody okay. who doesn't have any innate immunity so when it spreads beyond kind of the community that's already been dealing with it you you might see an outbreak too all right but yeah that's a good point good job justin hey sciencing no problem. You, you science the heck out of that one no big deal uh in the 1800s we start to see some cyclical outbreaks with very high mortality in urban centers so like places of dense population you right. see a lot of a lot of people actually dying of scarlet fever um but there's still just these kind of like they crop up there's a big outbreak and then it goes away uh this is and this happens up until the 1880s 
when the outbreaks start to lessen in frequency and severity and mortality. And then finally, they the uh, mortality drops to like 1%. And then in the 1900s, it's not quite as big a deal and it starts to be less terrifying. And then finally, we move to now where like we never see it. So when we think about like the period of time when scarlet fever was really a scary thing, because there was like there mm-hmm. was this time in history where scarlet fever was terrifying. We're really talking about between like 1825 and 1880s. That was the that was the time period where for whatever the reason. Good old days in terms of scarlet fevers. <laughs> for scarlet fever, it was for good scarlet old days. Fever for humanity, days. it was not. But that's when we see that scarlet fever is actually a fairly large uh, contributor to like uh, childhood mortality. I mean, it's a bad, it's common and it is much more severe than it, than it would be now. Mm-hmm. Um, so the treatments I want to talk about for scarlet fever mainly come from this time period. Okay. Right. Because after that, it was like not such a big deal. Well, once we get to the 1940s and we get antibiotics, it, I think it's less exciting yeah. in terms of the in term, infectious again, disease. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the, from the, from the perspective of bacteria and viruses. Uh, so, uh, well, really just bacteria. Right. So treatments. So if you got if you got scarlet fever in the 1800s, uh, the first thing they would do is load you up in a fever cab, mm-hmm. like an ambulance kind like of thing. Like a cash cab. Like a cash cab, exactly. Just like a cash cab. They'll ask you but questions on the way to the hospital. You won't be able to answer them because you got scarlet fever. Right. Um, and they would take you to the hospital where you would stay in isolation for weeks. Um, this was very common at the time, like just lock them away in the hospital, keep them away from everybody else because you didn't want anybody else to get scarlet fever. All of your belongings would be burned. Which sounds bad, but you know, it was the mid 1800s there. You didn't have a lot of things. You probably had like (laughs) one dress and like a baking pan and like a wash bin. It was probably like the only things you had. Is that what you think everybody had in the 1800s? Probably a Bible too. Um, no, you know what this reminds me of, though. Did you ever read the Velveteen Rabbit? Uh, no. You, are you, do you know that book at all? Yeah, it's about scarlet fever. <laughs> it is. Took a shot in the dark, nailed it. I in mean, one. it's about a little boy and his stuffed bunny, but like he, like he gets scarlet fever, and so they have to burn the Velveteen Rabbit. Sounds like a really killer book. Can't wait to yeah. crack that one open. It's okay though, because the Velveteen Rabbit gets turned into a real bunny. I guess before it gets burned, or maybe that's like heaven for the stuffed animal. I Can don't know. You Please move on. This is like Omega bumped me. There's out. also a character in it called the Skin Horse. I think. Good. Yeah. Family show. We should on. read that to um, Charlie yeah. later. <laughs> Maybe you could just recount it to her because your way of telling it is so beautiful. <laughs> I really feel like I'm getting all the nuance. Um, if you had something you really and didn't want to burn, Skin Horse clumped out <laughs> from the darkness, and the Velveteen Rabbit burned alive because scarlet fever. This is a children's story, eh? The Velvet. He became real because he was loved. Or maybe he was in heaven. Like, get your facts traced, tomorrow. <laughs> okay, so may- if you didn't want to burn all your things, which I can't the, imagine, like, I know your things kind of sucked because it was the 1800s, but, like, it wants to burn all their things. Well, they, they make a point that there are some things, like wool, for instance, that you could just put in an oven for two hours at 220 degrees Fahrenheit and that that would probably kill it um, and that the, that the fabric would probably survive. So if you had the time... And what else are you doing? You have scarlet fever. <laughs> you have fever. scarlet fever. You're just going to lay in bed anyway. So you're going to stay in bed. And that was very important because if you didn't stay in bed for the first two weeks, you would get what they call dropsy, which you could get dropsy of a lot dropsy. of things. Why, why, why is that? Did we talk about dropsy recently? We've talked about dropsy on and off. It, 
in this sense, they're meaning edema. They're meaning swelling. They're meaning fluid places. Okay. Dropsy was used to describe a lot of different ways that fluid could it's accumulate. One of those imprecise things, right? Yeah. So they would say like you could get like dropsy of the of the lungs or dropsy of the legs or dropsy of whatever of the heart and it was fluid. Um, the main treatment while you were there would be bleeding. This is the Great. time period we're in. So you would either cut the patient and bleed them until their lips and cheeks become pale and they pass out that'll work um, or blister them for the same effect uh, or you could apply two to six leeches behind or below the ears on each side um, two to six so two to six. Le- le- depending on how bad your scarlet fever Just was the, I guess? that's that that's the art of medicine it's that you oh, know right. the science is you know it's between two and six leeches the art is how many exactly for this patient <laughs> <laughs> uh, usually bleeding is the worst of the treatments but things things got a little rougher for our scarlet fever patients what happened well i'm going to tell you about it justin but first why don't you come with me to the billing department let's go We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? Pre-prepared, all I got in two minutes, I'm eating filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, 
you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Okay, so Sid, you had just told me that the uh, the worst of it was not uh, the bleeding. What was the what was the worst of the treatments? So this was a time where, um, w- you know, we didn't really know what to do for a lot of different things. Uh, the the humors kind of were still part of you know the the idea that we have these four humors that we have to keep in balance, which is where the bleeding comes in. Uh, so we would just, as we've discussed before, kind of try whatever seemed to cause a big response in the patient, make them pee or poop or puke or something or bleed uh and so you know we would also give people emetics which means medicines that make you puke to purify your body um and then the diet that would follow like kind of cleaning the person out so to speak was pretty rough so uh, at first you want to avoid anything that would be hard on the stomach so obvious stuff liquor spices anything that's animal based you pretty much stay away from at first um there was a concoction of podophyllin, which is like this alkali that's made by plants that um, the reason I know about it is that we can apply it to genital warts. Oh, okay. Um, but in this case, you would want to mix it with Epsom salts and like eat it was like one of the treatments. Delish. And then you would also make a mixture of aloe and salt and treacle, a little tastier probably. Yeah. And eat that as well. Um, once you were tolerating that, <laughs> once you're tolerating that well, yeah, uh, you can move on to toast or uh, barley or rice water, and you want to add some potassium nitrate in that, which, by the way, is saltpeter, which I think is like used to make gunpowder. Sure, right. you want to throw that in there, and like also some um, ammonium acetate as well, which is like used for like different chemical reactions and stuff. Sure, now yeah, why not? Um, in addition, so as long as you're eating all of this weird stuff that's going to help clean out your body, you want to uh, you want to do something to the tonsils themselves because, you know, you started with like a strep throat kind of thing, yeah. right? So you want to take some silver nitrate, oh. which we still use silver nitrate some today. I've used it before in the office to like stop bleeding. It's mm-hmm. like on the end of these sticks and it like stops kind of it's caustic um it's not very comfortable and you would apply it boy that to, is a generous that is a generous way of putting it huh? not very comfortable you would apply it to the ulcerated tonsils morning, oh. morning and night with a camel hair pencil is what was described i a camel hair pencil? Is that like a brush? Maybe a brush? I would have thought a brush, but they say pencil. Maybe that's just oh. a, maybe they're using a different brush. Who knows? Anyway, camel hair pencil, silver nitrate to the ulcerated tonsils morning and night. Um, I just would I think rather, I'd rather not. be bled. Yeah, I'd rather be bled. <laughs> Go ahead. That, um, that doesn't do anything, but it's less pl- like unpleasant, I guess. If you've got the big swollen lymph nodes, like you can get like in your no- in your neck, you know, when you have strep throat, you might get what people call swollen glands. Yeah like lymphadenopathy is what I would say. Um, mm-hmm. You can <laughs> you can treat that by creating an ointment uh, made from iodine and suet, which Justin can tell you what suet is if you don't know. Yeah, it's like pig fat. It's like the fat from around the kidneys of yeah. like pigs and cows and stuff. It's using British baking a lot. Yeah, like we... Now yeah. they use... It's more common to find vegetable suet now, but anyway. Yeah, but in the, I'm assuming this would have been animal-based suet back in the day mix it with iodine make an ointment put it on a piece of soft leather and then just like like wrap it around your neck and like keep that on there 
Okay. Um, eventually, when you're starting to get better, you could advance your diet. And diet was a big part of this, if you can't tell. Like the idea that, I don't know, we don't know what else to do to people. So like, we'll just regulate what they eat really closely. Because they have li- literally no other ideas. Because we, yeah, because we're just, we're trying anything. Um, we're definitely, yeah, we're, we're into the, like the heroic era of medicine right now. So like just whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, you would advance to broth and tea after two to four days and you would feed them broth or tea or both every three hours, which is like really demanding on whoever, like your nursing staff, whoever's doing it. Yeah, that. but for an era of medicine called the heroic era of medicine, it's still kind of <laughs> tame. Like if you were keenly aware that the era, era you were practicing medicine in was called the heroic era of medicine. Like, I would think you'd be a little bit intimidated to just announce like, and now I'm going to give the patient broth much more frequently <laughs> than they would normally have broth. Like, that's not very heroic, doctor. I mean, it's okay, but it's not like, not gonna wow me. I'm not gonna like adapt it into a three-part series. It's not gonna like, could be a crossover event. Can you imagine how ticked off the nurses would have been like, seriously? Seriously, every three hours. Every three hours. That's what that's you want good. me to do. You, that's what you want me to do with my training. That's do you have it. a PP solution or <laughs> no? Okay, great. Uh, you you could also give them at this point something. I had to read about this. Uh, Liebig's essence of meat. <laughs> this is a pro- Liebig is a, it's a trade name. It's a product brand time name. To eat meat, not me. I just want the. <laughs> I just want the essence, and that was actually exactly the thought was that people need the nutrients from meat, but they can't afford meat, or they don't have the time, or yeah. whatever the means to eat meat itself. So it's that like so robust, hearty meat flavor and nutrients. This was this like tinned meat product Ugh. that you would make by like boiling down. It actually was like a thirty to one ratio. Like by boiling down like thirty kilos of meat, you get like one kilo of. You know, sounds expensive meat to make. Essence, right? Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, that's yeah. a lot of meat to go into. But there's probably not a lot of um. How am I going to put this choice cuts <laughs> in there? I would. Think. I wouldn't think. I wouldn't think you get a I, lot of choice cuts. You had a lot of salt to it, and I guess uh, I, I heard it described as like a like almost like a black paste, like oily paste kind of thing Ugh, in like a bottle. And you would eat some of that. You could like a spread it on bread or whatever you wanted to do. Or just quit. Um, and it was it was often thought of as something for like to to like help sick people heal or just to use for kids who were like malnourished or didn't have access to all the foods they need like just eat this beet, meat essence <laughs> and you'll get better <laughs> i think later they were making boyan cubes i mean that would be something yeah. um if the patient's head is hot and they start to get confused so i'm assuming like what we would call now like a fever and maybe some delirium you should shave their head okay uh it's very important they'll die if you don't that wow. was that was a, an important point so shave their head really yeah no, they're no. I mean, not really. But oh, okay. No, that was the thought. Uh, then on their on their now bald head, you want to put ice or cold rags um, on the head. Keep the head really cold. Your feet, you want to wrap in flannel and then stick them in like a warm water bath, mm-hmm. and then sponge down the rest of them with like tepid, like you know, room temperature kind of water. Okay. I don't know if we're like confusing the bacteria at this yeah, point. Yeah, right. What are it's you hot, doing? It's cold. It's lukewarm. What are you doing I don't know there? what's happening. I don't know where to go. Um, you want to apply a solution because you could get like some like drainage from the mucous membranes, like right. crustiness and stuff. So you want to apply a solution to your eyes and your mouth and with a dropper into your ears of borax. Okay. I still am unclear what borax is, but it sounds kind of chemically. It was like a chemical, like we used it to like. Like, remember we talked about it as like a food additive for right. a while to like keep food fresh, longer preservative kind of thing. Just sound, clean stuff. Sounds like an alien weapon. It's not a good idea to put it in your eyes, ears, mouth, or anywhere else in your body. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you have to make sure that the patient is peeing every six hours and pooping daily and mm. give them whatever medicines are necessary to make that happen if they're not. Got it. Um, as they get better, you want to advance to solid foods very slowly because that, that that is the first thing they would say is that if somebody dies of scarlet fever, it's probably because you gave them solid food too quickly. Okay. That's probably not true. No. Um, you can go outside. As soon as you're able to get outside, that's great because fresh air was seen as like a, a, a kind a of a panacea. cure-all. Exactly. But don't walk. Run. No, don't. Do, just sit. Okay, like got Somebody it. just wheel you out and sit uh, in the beginning. And only if the weather is good, of course. Of course. Um, right. If you can get to the seaside. You don't want to get double scarlet fever. No. Which you could. Which you could. Uh, you you want to go to the seaside if you can because the air there is better sure, for you. Better but for don't you. get in the water for at least a month mm-hmm. that was actually in the velveteen rabbit too the kid had to go to the seaside uh they always they always advise like as you're getting better you want to do like a tonic which there were tons of tonics at the time which were just like syrups with like iron or some, something in them that was seen as like boosting your health and making you more vibrant or yeah. something you know whatever um the uh, at the time that you know this was like homeopathy was around at this period in in history it still is now but this is when it would have been popular it still is now and by the way uh quick homeopathy sidebar i went to the drugstore because charlie had a cold and i was looking for um some medicine that that we could give her uh by the way he didn't ask me about this because if he had asked me i would have said no there's there is no medicine no but that we can give her so don't i know bother. but, what but I he didn't say, ask what so. i wanted to say is i was looking and um because i was there already it wasn't a special trip but anyway uh there was some stuff that was for 12 months and younger and it was labeled as homeopathic medicine and it was on the same shelves as the other medicine like that made me really angry because that's fake. Like there should be another yeah. section with the fake medicine if you want to go hog wild on it. But don't get it over there with the real medicine for people that don't know any better. That's crazy. Well, that that that's the problem is that first of all they can say that it's for twelve and under because it is fake. Twelve months and under because it's not going to do anything. Um, you know, and it's not regulated by anybody. None of that stuff is though. Anyway, we were like, we were we try to be, isn't regulated like the supplements and the homeopathic. We try to be stuff, pretty nice during not. our homeopathic episode, but that was a that was a, a while back in supplements history. We tend to go ham on stuff a little bit more commonly now. I'm just gonna say that's that's made up medicine and it doesn't have any place next to the real medicine. In case no. you have it, you can go back and edit that into your own personal copy of the homeopathy now, episode, by the way. Yes, absolutely. No, homeopathy, that's not, it doesn't do anything. And back then they told you. And it's for babies. That makes me so angry. Yeah. It's so freaking hard to have a baby who's sick and you feel like completely powerless. There's nothing you could do. You're looking for anything that can help. And you find this fake medicine next to real medicine. It makes me want to freaking puke. It makes me sick that the stores would sell it next to the real medicine. It makes me sick that people would sell it to people knowing it doesn't do anything. And if I ever met the people responsible, I would punch them in the mouth. There. That's what I think about homeopathy. Wow. Makes me mad. You got really upset there. I'm can genuinely I, upset. Can I about just it. make one? Can I just make one corollary point? If you're going to defend right. homeopathy, no, you better no, come I'm hard. not. I'm not defending homeopathy. Okay. I'm not, not in any way. I am also going to point out that the what you are calling the real medicines, I would be really careful about ever giving your kids if they're sick. Don't if they're under two, but if they're over two, I would really talk to your doctor because this is something I talk uh, with parents a lot about. That a lot of those cough and cold medicines. I know we all take them as adults because like our nose is running and we got to go to work and it's embarrassing. And so we deal with all of the not so great side effects. As far as if you need them, you usually don't. Your kids often don't. I would talk to your doctor before just giving them any of the what we would consider real medicines. Yes, they do things. But do you really need them to do those things at the expense of the side effects? 
Just a note. Just a note. Just okay. a note. We're going way long. I'm sorry about this. And That's I'm okay. sorry about it. It's my fault. Let's, but let's, no, you're right. Homeopathy is crap. The, they used to tell you to take belladonna to prevent scarlet fever because belladonna caused a rash and it was the whole like, like cures like thing. So if we cause a rash, then you won't get a rash from scarlet fever. Mm-hmm. That's obviously not true. Don't take belladonna. Um, a couple a couple historical notes, one of which I already mentioned. Um, uh, uh, scarlet fever Im- impacted a lot of people. Uh, Charles Darwin lost two of his children to scarlet oh, fever. Uh, John D. Rockefeller founded Rockefeller University to research uh, the biomedical sciences eventually after losing his three-year-old grandson, scarlet fever. So that's probably why it exists. Um, there has been some thought that maybe that was what Helen Keller lost her uh, hearing and vision to mm-hmm. at 19 months was to scarlet fever although it may have also been a meningitis so that's not i actually think i read scarlet like i can remember reading like a, a kid's book about her and reading that it was scarlet fever it's hard because at the time a lot of people would have been diagnosed with scarlet fever um and maybe because we didn't we couldn't tell because we didn't know what they had so she may have or or maybe not or could have been meningitis it's 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 not entirely clear um then that is why like for instance we used to think mary ingalls a lot of people would read that had Mm -hmm. had scarlet fever because her doctor at the time did diagnose her with scarlet fever but she probably actually did have meningitis too um it is what beth had in little women oh okay i can never remember get her yellow or yellow fever yeah it was definitely scarlet fever got it big difference she didn't travel huge difference africa is that where yellow fever is hot yeah you can get yeah lots of places but yeah, yeah explosion noise got in one um so uh, the treatment in terms of like what do we actually do now for scarlet fever because we don't do any of that stuff that I just that I just named um, in 1924 you know that Gladys and George Dick actually did make a vaccine which oh. is kind of interesting they came up with a test for it and then they came up with a vaccine um, but it really was never that popular and in the 1940s we came out with antibiotics penicillin saves the day mm-hmm. um, and we really don't use the vaccine and it's certainly not around now and nowadays we don't really see that kind of virulence there was there are occasionally in the last couple decades we've seen some some bigger outbreaks like hong kong in, in 2011 um, but we typically don't see scarlet fever anymore most of the time it's just strep throat we give you some antibiotics and you get better interesting um but but it is interesting it's not impossible that it could that it could happen mm. Well, good to know. Live in fear. Uh, <laughs> I want to no, say, just go see your doctor when you're sick. That's the, that's that's always my message. When you're uh, sick, go talk to your doctor. And uh, a big thanks to the taxpayers for letting us use our song "Medicines" as the intro and outro of our program. Um, anything we're forgetting? No, I I think that's it. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for your topic suggestions. Mm-hmm. Thank you for emailing us and reviewing us on iTunes and tweeting about us. Sawbones at MaximumFun.org is that uh, email address. And if you f- want to follow us on Twitter, it's at Sawbones. Pretty easy to remember. Yeah, I'm sorry Justin got so mad this episode. Yeah, me too. And I'm sorry if you're if you're homeopathy and you're listening. I'm sorry that it has to come to this. Yeah. Uh, if you're the concept of homeopathy and you somehow figured out a way to listen to podcasts, I'm sorry that I stepped on your toes. If you really are a true believer in homeopathy... I think that's groovy. I just think you should buy it at a separate store or maybe separate shelves at the very least. (laughs) Anyway, that's going to do it for us. Uh, Until next time, we have a topic to discuss with you. I am Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. As always, don't drill a hole in your head.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.